they originally, where we were going to go sit and talk and do this, it's not a bad place, but I said, Ms. Kessner, clarify that I said this. I said, our yes. girls yes. are princesses. Princesses. Okay? They deserve the best. They deserve the best. That's what I always said. I said, if they're going to go to the Rebbe, they need to do it, you know, five-star accommodations. So I happen to know yeah, thank you, about this place, which just opened. It's, a fact, it's not even officially open. A lot of people don't even know about this. Uh, Rabbi Alkanish uh, Martin from Gem is the one who arranged this place one block from the aisle. And it's a place where people can come for simchas, for learning, for events. And so I called Rabbi Shmatkin and I said, I have the best group. I have 12th grade, Beis Rivka. They're going to the aisle for Yud Shvat and Pope Shvat. And uh, here we are. So, and of course, what did Rabbi Shay's Taub say? Wow. Let's spend the extra money. I won't take a fee to speak. He was willing to give up his fee in order so that you should be comfortable. And I said, of course not. Pass <laughs> Michelle. Okay. So I, I see there's questions here. A lot of these are about all types of stuff. Like yeah, We're going to be here all day. We could, yeah, we really could be here all day. Now, from what I understand... That's okay. That's okay? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> from what I understand, the main point, the main topic we're talking... Because we're at the aisle, and you're going to the aisle, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Rebbe's, Kashvis, going to the aisle. So that's what I want to make sure we cover as our main topic. If from there we get into other conversations, we could do that as well. Okay? All right. You with me? Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's start out. Let's just talk about... All right, I'm going to tell you a story. One time I was speaking to a group of college kids at the uh, at Dial. There were college kids not at all religious, not at all religious. And um, there was a discussion among some of the organizers. I, my job was to welcome them to the aisle and explain to them about writing in, you know, going into the aisle. And there was a discussion. I'm giving a behind-the-scenes glimpse right now. Is this being recorded? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is really this is a behind-the-scenes glimpse. I'm about to go off, and I have my thing prepared. I know what I want to say. I know what I'm passionate about. And they're saying, like, could you please, it's a little bit awkward, you know, we're pulling up to a Jewish cemetery, like cemetery, you know, what is it, you know, like, kind of eerie. Could you address the fact that we're at a cemetery? And I said, no. And I'll, and I'll tell you why. I said, because if it were 1991, and these same college kids were pulling up on buses now in Crown Heights, and it was Sunday, and we were going for dollars. We were going to line up and go into 770 and go get a dollar and a bracha from the river. Would you bother to explain to them, by the way, kids, I, I'm not sure what kind of neighborhood you're from, but this is an inner city Brooklyn neighborhood. And in it, there's a shul called 770 where the Rebbe gives dollars. Or would you just focus on the fact we're going to the Rebbe? 
I told them, you obviously would not explain to them what kind of a neighborhood Crown Heights is, what is, what is Brooklyn, what is, it's irrelevant. The point is, you're going to the Rebbe. I said the same way, why should I talk about, oh, there happens to be a Jewish cemetery around here? I didn't even notice. Oh, really? There's a Jewish cemetery around here? I didn't even notice. If you would have explained the neighborhood as a context for going to the Rebbe for dollars, fine. But, you, but we all know you wouldn't have. So why do I have to talk about a Jewish cemetery that happens to be the neighborhood that we're in when we're going to Yechidus now? And so they said, well, you, you should still address it. Just say something in the beginning about, you know, the Jewish cemetery. So I got up there and I said, first thing I want everyone to know, we are not at a Jewish cemetery. <laughs> I said, we're, we're, we're here for Yechidus. We're here to have our one-on-one -on -one moment with the devil. You know, <clears throat> there was a chassid. Rabbi Fegelstock just passed away a few months ago. He, had, he knew the Friedrich Rebbe. And he, he asked the Rebbe about going to the oil. Specifically in Cholamay. In Cholamay, you don't go to a cemetery. So he asked the Rebbe, can he go to the, to the Friedrich Rebbe's oil? Cholamay. So the Rebbe told him, if you're going to pay a visit to a Jewish grave in a Jewish cemetery, you know that we don't visit cemeteries on Chalamar. The answer is no. But if you are going to Yechidus with my father-in-law, as you had done before, and the only change is that he is now located a few blocks away, meaning you used to come see him here in 770, okay, now you go to Queens. But it's the same relationship, it's the same meeting, it's the same purpose, then obviously you can go into Yechidus on Cholomai. So I think the first thing we need to really clarify, especially, 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 because for you, you know, how old you are, when you were born, your whole context of his kashas is post-Kimotamas. So I think it's very important to understand that this is not going to a Jewish cemetery. This is not going to a Jewish grave. There is such a concept. We do. There is such a concept as going to a grave of a loved one. Oh, there's such a concept of going to Kivrit Tzadikim. There is such a concept. Yeah, there is such a concept. Maybe you'll go to Eretz Yisrael and you'll go to all the, the you know, go to Yechinim and Zakkai and it's Talmidim, you go to the Rambam. There is such a concept. When we go to the oil, that's not what we're doing. We are going for Yechidus. Okay, now, why are we going for Yechidus? All the stories you heard about Yechidus, you know, how does this compare to that kind of, you know, the Rebbe's going to talk to me? And the Rebbe's going to, you know, give me advice? Come on, what's going to happen there? So first of all, let me just explain to you one thing. It's been a long time, a long time. You think it's just post-Gimel Thomas. It's been a long time since people had the Yechidus stories that you hear from the 1950s and the 1960s, okay, it's been a long time since people had that kind of opportunity. Okay, even if it was before Gimel Thomas, you went by for a dollar, you went by for a dollar, and you had one second of FaceTime with the Rebbe. I'm going to tell you something right now that's probably something they don't want you to hear, but I want you to hear it. 
Just like there are people today who go to the oil and they're not sure if anything happened, if the Rebbe heard them. There were people who went for dollars and they weren't sure if the Rebbe knew who they were. Of course, you, you think everyone had a story like Gordon Zacks? You know the Gordon Zacks story? When he hadn't seen the Rebbe in 19 years. Paul hadn't spoken to the Rebbe in 19 years. And then he came after Chav Beishvat. He came to the Rebbe's house when the Rebbe was sitting Shiva after the Shiva, but the Rebbe was in the house for the year of Avelis. Everyone's familiar with that, right? So, so this guy, Gordon Sachs, you know, a, a rich guy from Ohio, he comes in 1988, right after Rebbe Sinchai Mushka passed away, and he comes in, and he goes in for dollars. The Rebbe sees him half a second, and the Rebbe starts continuing the Yechidus that they left off in 1969, in 19 years previously. And Gordon Zacks just bursts out laughing because it's so weird. You haven't spoken to somebody in 19 years. He sees you in half a second. You, you've aged. You know, you don't even look the same. He sees you in half a second. Boom! The Rebbe just picks up the conversation right where they left off. And you see the video. Gordon Zacks starts laughing. And he's like, you're amazing. He's like, Rebbe, you're amazing. And the Rebbe says, like, very, very flatly. He's like, so what will be the benefit to the community if I'm amazing? <laughs> like, okay, no, all right, great. I'm glad I'm amazing. But, like, what, what's that going to do for, you know, let's talk, let's talk tachlis over here. Anyways, that, that's a story, obviously, where you see how the Rebbe knew every single person. And it's, it's an inexplicable thing, you know, even the, with the Rebbe's genius and how fast the Rebbe's mind was and the Rebbe's memory. But, you know, obviously there's something going on in a Shoma level where, where the Rebbe could see someone in a half a second, know exactly. I mean, anyways, my point is, not everyone had such a story. There were plenty of people who went by for a dollar, and the Rebbe told them, and they weren't sure if the Rebbe knew who they were, or what they wanted. So you think it only takes a Muna today? The same people who go to the oil today, and they're not sure if anything's happening there. They, they could have gone for a dollar. And gotten a dollar from the Rebbe's holy hand, and gotten a bracha vatslocha from the Rebbe, and not been sure if the Rebbe knew who he was talking to. Okay, is that a terrible thing to reveal to you? I think it's good to reveal to you. What I'm saying is, there were always those, there were always those who were tuned in, and the opposite as well. And you have to choose to be the one of the ones who are tuned in. Not automatic. You think, <laughs> when the Rebbe told people that he's not taking Yechidus anymore, but the Fabrengans are Yechidus. Not everyone believed that. The Rebbe said, the Fabrengans are Yechidus. I'm speaking to every single person there what they need to hear. Now, some people took that seriously. And even though there were a thousand people around you, you knew the Rebbe looked at you and said, L'chaim, and that at some point in the Fabrengan, the Rebbe was speaking to you and only to you. But you have to have a Muna for that. Otherwise, it's like, okay, there are thousands of people around. How can the Rebbe possibly know who's here? And yet, if you understand anything about a Rebbe, you do know that it's a soul connection. And therefore, a soul knows a soul. And the Rebbe knows your soul. And therefore, just like the Rebbe could see you for half a second in the dollar line and know everything about you, so too, you can go to the aisle, you present yourself, and immediately the Rebbe sees you, sees everything about you. That, that didn't change. The only thing that changed is what we see. 
Okay, so I admit, from, <laughs> from our end, what we see is, is you know, it's a lot less. But what I want to probably try to help you understand here is that it's not so much what you see as that you are seen. And I think everybody here understands when I say what it feels like to be seen. I think you understand what it feels like to not be seen. You know what I mean, not physically seen, but when, to be paid attention to, to be understood, to be validated, right? And you also know the negative, what it means to be overlooked. Okay, so yeah, when you go into the oil, what are you gonna see? You know what you're gonna see there, okay? It's not, it's not what you would have seen in the quote-unquote good old days. We know that. But what I'm trying to impress upon you is it's not so much important for your astrologers what you see. It's more important that you know you are seen. Okay, let me, let me explain a little bit more about that. So we said, this is Yechidus. Okay, this is just, the Rebbe moved a few blocks away. This is Yechidus, just like before. I want to tell you my favorite Yechidus story. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you the whole story. I'm just going to tell you the punchline, because I like ruining stories like that. You know, usually you tell a story and you build it up to the punchline. I don't even, I'm not a camp counselor. I'm just going to tell you the punchline. Maybe later I'll go back and I'll tell you the rest of the story. But I'll tell you the punchline. There was a young guy, I think he was 23 years old, British guy from uh, London, Freddie Hager, Prime Hager, all of a sudden. And he goes in for your kid, it's three in the morning, and he comes out, and he says that I was not prepared for my meeting with the Rebbe. I thought <clears throat> I was going to meet a great man, and I left realizing that I had met my true self. I like that. I thought I was going to meet a great man, and I left realizing I had met my true self. What does that mean? I think it's just a very profound idea. I mean, it's a very attractive idea, meeting your true self. Like, I think we'd all like to meet our true selves. You know, who am I really? What am I really capable of? And, and why did that happen in Yechidus? Why is that what happened? And, what, and why was it not meeting a great man? I'll tell you another story that sort of helps to understand this better. I had a teacher in yeshiva. He was in Crown Heights in the real early days to the extent that every little bar mitzvah bacher had yechidus. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine? I and mean, we were talking about I was talking about before when Yechidus became the Fabrangans. This is when every 13-year-old had Yechidus. So uh, he tells me, he went to his teacher, and he asked his teacher, he says, when I go into the Rebbe, what do I do? How do I act? So his teacher says to him, okay, forget it, I'll go instead of him. I mean, 
you got to understand the old Russian style, you know, that's like, it's a little bit harsh. I don't know if you'd say that to, you know, an American kid, but that, that's, that's how the teacher, my teacher, when he was a 13-year-old, asked his teacher, when I go into Yechidus, how do I, how do I conduct myself, you know, and, 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 the, and the teacher said, eh, forget it, I'll go instead of you. He's like, no, 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 I'm just asking, when I go into the Rebbe, I want to know how to behave. So the teacher says, yeah, I told you, you stay out, and I'll go, I'll go in, I'll take the Yechidus. The 13-year-old says, I'm just asking, I just want to know how to conduct myself. And the teacher says, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'll go instead of you. So finally the kid says, why? Why are you saying this? Why are you saying, you know, you'll go instead of me? The, the, the teacher says, look. Gans Elam Haza is an Alma de Shikha. This world is a false world. It's interesting, what did he mean this world is a false world? I mean, from the context of what he told him, he didn't mean so much that things aren't what they appear to be, although I'm sure that's part of it. He meant more like, we are not what we appear to be. It's a false world. Who really knows the real you? <laughs> they see your outsides. They judge your outsides. Do they know your insides? Can they know your insides? So that's why this world is called a false world. So my teacher's teacher tells him, God Salem has an alma This whole world is a world of falsehood. And in this big world of falsehood, there's one Dalit Ames Shel Ames. There's one four cubits of truth, one little tiny place of truth. And in, you understand what he's saying? This world is a world where we're all fakers to some extent. And in that world full of fakers, there's one place of truth. Truth means personal truth, where you are really you. The true you. So he says, God say Lamaz has an Almadishikara. The whole world is a is a false world. And in this false world, there's one Daladama Shalam is one place of truth. He's talking about in Yechidus. He says, and in that place of truth, you're asking me how I would behave? If that's the case, I'll go in instead of you. You follow the story? This is the one opportunity you have to be authentic. And you're asking me how to manufacture authenticity, so to speak. <laughs> it's a stereomine This is the one opportunity you have to be seen as you truly are. Why would you then want to imitate somebody else, even your teacher? Why would you want to imitate somebody else? Go in as your true self. That's this is your one shot to actually be known, to be seen. So don't go in <laughs> as an actor. What does it mean, though, that when you're in Yechidus, you are your true self? You know, there's a story about the Tzamech Tzadik had a chassid who used to dress up all year long. He would do uh, business with, with non-Jews. He would dress as a non-Jew. And then he would come once a year to Lubavitch and he would put on the you know, Hasidic garb, as we call it in English. And uh, he finally got sick of the hypocrisy. 
So he came to Lubavitch dressed in his business clothes. He came into Yechidus, and the Tzamaq Tzadik asked him, what are you doing? He says, Rebbe, I'm sick of being a faker. He says, you're not fooling me, you're fooling them. If 99.9% .9 of the time you look one way, and 0.1% of the time you look another way, which is real and which is the act? I mean, you would say, if it's 99.9% .9 of the time, that must be the real you. And the 0.1%, that's the act. And yet we're saying, no, no, actually, it could be that you're looking a certain way and acting a certain way 99.9% .9 of the time, and that's, that's the act. And there's 0.1% of the time, and that's the real you. You know where else we see this? Yim Kippur. Yim Kippur, how does Yim Kippur work? You know how Yom Kippur works? How does atonement work? Kapod. How does it work that all your Vedas fall off? Yom Kippur. You know how it works? Because on Yom Kippur, you are the real you. You are the real you. We, the special technical Hasidic term for the real you, deep down, you know what we call that? Yechida. You heard this term before? Yechida. Right? There's nefesh, ruach, neshama, chayu, yechida. Right? So nefesh is the spiritual energy of my actions. So certainly I can do bad actions and I can damage my nefesh. Ruach is a spiritual energy connected to my emotions. So obviously I can feel things that are not wholesome and I can damage my, my emotions, my ruach. Neshama is connected to, to, to seichel, to the intellect. Obviously I can put my mind in not healthy things and I can damage that level. Even chaya, which is a makif, but and it's more about, you know, uh, ideals and sacrifice, but I could sacrifice myself for the wrong things and I could damage that. Yechida, though, means it's one with Hashem, and it, it cannot be damaged. And so on Yom Kippur, when you have the five tefillahs, right? I'm sure you're familiar with this concept. So it's a day on which you daven five times, and five times of prayer corresponds to the five levels of the soul. So basically, that fifth level called Yechidah comes out on Yom Kippur, and when your Yechidah comes out, what do you see? You see that no matter what your Nefeshot and Neshama were involved in all year, you are perfect. You are clean. You are clear. So even though all year long, it's funny how Yom Kippur works, all year long you might have been involved in this and that and this and that that's not really so desirable. One day a year, the real you comes out. The real you. The real you which is has no connection to those negative things. And then all those negative things just fall away. Hold on a second. The real me? 99.9% .9 of the year, I was involved in all those negative things. Now, one day, you're going to tell me that's the real me? Yeah, that's the real you. In other words, what I'm saying is, we get so used to being, being thought of, you know what it is when people misunderstand us, when they see us for the way, they're, they're very continuistic way of judging our actions and they don't really understand what's going on inside of us, right? And we know how that feels, how frustrating that is, right? Okay, well, we do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves to actually identify with our chitzenias. And that's why from time to time we need a reality check to get back in tune with who we really are. And so once a year, once a year they'll come again, Kippur, where Yechida will come out, and uh, I get reminded who I really am. I am perfect. I am pure. 
Okay. Just like in time, there's a Yim Kippur, which is Achat Bishana. There's one time, one day a year when I am really me, and the Yechida comes out. So too, in place, there's a place where I can go and the real me comes out. Where my Yechida comes out. In fact, it's a place and it's a relationship. It's not just a physical location, it's also a person. It's a, it's a place where I go to meet a certain person. And by meeting that person, I see my true self. Or my yechida. You know what you call that place, and that person, and that relationship, and that meeting? Where you meet your yechida? You call it yechidas. Yechidas is meeting your true self. That's what Freddie Hager said. I thought I was going in to meet a great man. I left realizing I had met my true self. What do you think it means a Rebbe is a Neshama Klolis? What's a Neshama Klolis? That means he's connected to all Neshamas. And therefore, when you know the Rebbe, you know yourself. If you think that the Rebbe was merely a great leader, a great uh, organizer, an inspiring teacher, all the stuff that friends of Chabad say at the dinners and stuff, which is nice if you're not a Chassid. A Chassid does not think of the Rebbe as a great man. I mean, Lahabu, George Washington was a great man. That's not how we think of a Rebbe. A Rebbe means the one relationship in my life that's pure, where I am really me. And when I forget who I am, I check back in with that relationship and I get reminded who I am. Which is why, when you meet the Rebbe, what always happens, what always happens, when you go out from Yechidus, you tell me, you know what the Rebbe does. I mean, look, even when you went for a dollar, you think those dollars were free? <laughs> the whole purpose of the dollar was to tag, you're it. You know what the dollar is for, to make you a shliach. Shliach for tzedakah, right? So whenever you go into a meeting with the Rebbe, the Rebbe always puts a job on you. You know that's how it works. But it makes sense that's how it works, because I'm going to the Rebbe to be reminded of who I am, what I'm capable of, what my soul came to the world for. <laughs> so obviously, when I leave Yechidus, I'm reinvigorated with a sense of purpose and mission and what I can accomplish and, you know, things that I didn't think I could do, now I realize I have to do, all that kind of stuff. Now, obviously, also, there's an aspect of I'm going in, I'm asking for brachas and all that stuff, and that's nice as well. But really, the purpose of Yehidus is to be realigned with my mission. There's a story. I don't know if you guys are even going to get this. Okay. I'll tell it anyway. You guys know what Shirayim is by Pelashin, Rabbis? Yeah, they, like the Rebbe sits at a big tish, and they bring out a kugel, and the Rebbe has one piece, and then all the Siddim come and they grab the leftovers, and then it's supposed to make them, I don't know what it's supposed to do. Anyway, it's supposed to be a good thing. Anyway, so the Rebbe Shab, back in Lebanon, the Rebbe Shab was, was, uh, was eating. They brought him his, his meal, and obviously the Rebbe Shab was not so into food, so there were leftovers. So he, he, he was done eating. He left the plate on the windowsill for the attendant to come take it away. There were a couple of Pele Shabachram in, in Lubavitch, and they saw their opportunity. Because in Lubavitch, we don't do that Shirayim thing. 
but they saw the Rebbe, you know, the Rebbe Rishab's leftovers are on the windowsill, golden opportunity. So they snuck over to the window to chap the Sharayim, and the Rebbe Rishab caught them. And he said to them, he says, Bacham, I want you to know something. It's a little bit of a pun, but I hope, I hope you'll get it. He said, by others, their Sharayim is Mizakeh. By me, the Sharayim is Mechayim. What does that mean? By others, you know, Pele Sharebbe, you get the Sharayim, it's Mizake, it gives you a schos, I don't know, it's, it gives you a boost, whatever it's supposed to do. He says, but you should know, with me, you take my Sharayim, it's going to be Mechayev you. You're going to be indebted. What, what does that mean? You're going to have to pay me for the piece of kugel that you ate? What, what did the Rebbe Shab mean? You want to start eating from my plate, okay, but that means we're connected. And if you're connected to me, I'm going to demand you do your job. And when a rabbi demands that you do your job, he knows exactly what your job is. What do you think you go to a rabbi for? Is to find out your job. I have another teacher who was telling me a story after Gimel Tamas. He was in the mikveh and uh, in a Frum neighborhood, and some chassid from another Hasidic group. After Gimel Tamas, well, maybe like a few months after, so this uh, this other chassid says to my uh, teacher, he says to him, "When are you Lubavitcher going to get a new rebbe?" So he says, "My rebbe is more alive than your rebbe, and I don't want you to tell me who your rebbe is because I don't want to make it personal. But after we get dressed and go upstairs and go outside, I'll explain to you why." So you get out of the mikveh, you go outside. He says, please do not tell me what chassid you are, you know, what kind of group you're from. I don't want to know. I don't want to make it personal. I just want to make a statement, and you can tell me yourself whether or not this is true. You live here, okay? I mean, it happened, I'll tell you, I mean, if you know London geography, it happened in Stamford Hill, okay? So he says, you live in Stamford Hill. Yeah. If your Rebbe, and again, please don't tell me who your Rebbe is. If your Rebbe told you to pick up sell your house, and move to Golders Green. Okay? Basically, that would be like moving from, you know, Williamsburg to Flatbush. You know, that was like, that, 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 about that far and about that big of a move. If your Rebbe told you to pick up right now, leave Stanford Hill and move to Golders Green. You tell me the truth. Your Rebbe would have one less chassid. Is that true? He says, yeah. <laughs> he says, I want to tell you something. If a Lubavitcher would get a letter right now, this is after Gimel Thomas, let's say he got lost in the mail, and he didn't get it, to, the Rebbe sent him a letter and got lost in the mail, he, he only first got it now. And it said, move to Antarctica. Not only would this Lubavitcher move to Antarctica, but he would throw a party to celebrate that he knows what his life is all about. At least he knows his purpose. He's supposed to go to Antarctica. My point is, I think we have a lot of expectations, and I, I, I do not fault the people who have great stories to tell. However, I think between us, I want to tell you something. The people who have great stories, good old day stories, sometimes they don't realize that the stuff they're telling you makes you feel like you missed the boat. They don't mean to do that. They're not trying to do that. Okay, They're trying to share with you beautiful memories that they have. However, I know that the way you take it sometimes is, oh, well, shucks, 
I can never have those experiences. So basically, you're telling me there was a time when we were Xidim, we had a Rebbe, and now it's basically just nostalgia. You know what nostalgia is? You know, let's reminisce about the good old days. That's not going to work. How, how old are you guys? 17? Yes. I'm sorry, but 17-year-old girls are not going to get up every day with a passion, with a brand to live for nostalgia, for somebody else's nostalgia. It's not going to work. We have to know that what we have is right now, is fresh, came out today. So here's what I'm telling you. If you need to, uh, for a while, just for a while, maybe tune out some of those stories about Fabrengens and the good old days and all that stuff because it's actually making you feel like you don't have a shaykhus, then just tune that stuff out, okay? And start forming your present-day relationship because the Rebbe is more active today than ever. We know this. We know because Tanya says after the Estalkis, the Tzaddik actually is much more effective. We know this because the Rebbe said countless times about his father-in-law that every passing year, opposite of what you would think, that every passing year after the Estalkis, he's actually more alive, more active, more involved. Okay, would I have figured out any of that on my own? Obviously not. But the Rebbe said it. This is basic this basic Chabad theology, is that the Rebbe continues to be involved and is more involved. And let me explain something to you. If the Rebbe knew who you were in half a second in the dollar line, you tell me, that's a normal thing? That's not a normal thing. You take the, 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 you take the, the carton of milk and you, and you take it to the, the checkout and you, boop, you know, scan the, the, the barcode, right? The barcode, the little UPC symbol, boop, right? In half a second, the computer knows everything about that product, right? If they never knew who people were in half a second, probably less, that's not a normal thing. That's not because the Rebbe was such a genius. I mean, maybe, but it's really a neshama thing. That's a neshama thing. So if it's a neshama thing, why would that be any different today? <laughs> in other words, the Rebbe doesn't need to physically see you, because that's not how it worked then either. The Rebbe needs to spiritually see you. Now, why do we need to physically show up? That's a whole other discussion. That's a whole other discussion. Why we need to physically show up. Why we need to make the trip. That's another discussion. And, and to put it very, very simply, uh, because we are physical beings, and we need to have a physical experience. But the truth is, the truth is, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to let the secret out, but, you know, <laughs> when Mendel Futterfass was in prison, he had a birthday, he wanted to write to the Rebbe, and he did the whole thing through meditation. He did the whole thing in his mind. And when he got out, he had an answer from the Rebbe waiting for him. So you could apparently, you could do it from anywhere. <laughs> right? But we need to have the physical experience, so we go to the place. But the, my point is, if the devil was able to recognize people and know everything about them and know more about them than they know about themselves in half a second, that's because the devil's neshama is connecting to your neshama. And if, if it's a neshama thing, then it's no different today than it was back then. The only difference is what you see. So back then, you would see stuff that, you know, your Nefesh could get excited and impressed with. 
Today, you don't see so much. I, I admit that. It's not that exciting. But I started off by telling you, please, if you, came, if you want to see stuff, go to Disneyland. Okay? All right, so this is your girls, not Disneyland. I'll tell you, if you want to have a, an impressive Jewish experience where you see a bunch of sights and hear a bunch of sounds, something that's stimulating the senses, go to Yushalayim, go to the Kaisal, Friday night. Friday night, Western Wall, yeah? And it's very, yeah, it's great, very inspiring. Okay, if you want to see some, some action, I'm talking Jewish inspirational action, Friday night of the Kaisal. But if you want to be seen, go to the oil. Go to your Rebbe. I think it's a lot more important to be seen than to see. So, you know, when, when you go in, you're going to write. What are you going to write? I don't know. That's between you and your Rebbe. Obviously, I'm sure you know the different customs and about, you know, writing, you know, the pawn and all that stuff. And honestly, I don't care if you follow any of that. It's not my business. That's why you tear it up at the end. That's one of the reasons why you tear it up at the end, because it's nobody's business in the world, except for you and your Rebbe. That's it. And it's the one place in the world where you are truly you. And even if, you know, you have to remember, even if you'd be at Afabrengen in a sea of people, you know that the Rebbe, I mean, if you have that amuna, you know that the Rebbe is singling you out, and even though there's a room full of people, there's a whole crowd, the Rebbe is focusing on you, and, and, and is totally focused on you, and you have his undivided attention, and he knows everything about you, and he believes in you, and he's looking you know, at, at all you can accomplish, and he's infusing you with a sense of purpose and mission and all that. And so when you leave your Yechidus, you leave with a sense of knowing your true self. Okay, now, you want me to go back and tell you the rest of the, I told you the punchline from the Fram Hager story. You want me to tell you the story? Yeah. What? Ask me a question? Yeah, if you're saying that since it's an Hashem like... Everyone be quiet when when your friends are uh, talking so that, A, that I can hear them, but also so that people feel respected when they talk, so that people will feel confident to ask questions. Yeah. So it's an Ishama thing, so it, it doesn't really matter to have like a face to face. Yes, I guess. But couldn't we do that in the same time you are with all the way to the island? Right. So that's what I was saying before. Also traveling. Hmm? Also traveling, yeah. So there is something different about the oil. How, first of all, how do we know this? Because. We know how the Rebbe treated the Fidik Rebbe's room. Treat, you know, when the Rebbe would, even after Yud Shvat, you know, the Rebbe would set up the place for the Fidik Rebbe, like very serious, serious business. And notwithstanding that, the Rebbe, even in his advanced age, when it was not easy to do so, would get in a car and come to this place and stand here for hours in the cold. So from the Rebbe himself, we see that as much as the Rebbe felt the Fidik Rebbe's presence in 770, and the Rebbe said that Kedusha doesn't leave from a place, 
and the Rebbe even set up the Friedrich Rebbe's place. But when the Rebbe wanted to go speak to his Rebbe, he would come here. He would come here. And, and when the Rebbe would give brachas to people, he would say, I'm going to mention it at the oil. means I'll mention it at the oil. Why not I'll mention it in 7-7? So obviously we see from the Rebbe's conduct that there is something about coming here. Now, what is it about it? The physical component. The physical component of it is that, physically speaking, the physical location of the Rebbe is here. But you should understand, see, Yes, it's physical and it's not physical. It's a physical place. And why is it that place? Because this is physically where the Rebbe is located. And yet, the relationship is not physical. But that's that's the whole Yiddishkeit is like that. It's like, are tefillin physical or are they spiritual? Well, if, if, if they're physical, you know, if they're purely physical, then they have no spiritual value. But if they're purely spiritual, then I can just meditate on them and physically putting them on has no value. But as you know, what is Yiddishkeit? Yiddishkeit is about the spiritual and the material together. You always have both components. We are souls and bodies. Everything we experience, we experience as a body. And yet, at the same time, it's not limited to our bodies. Any, anything else you want to hear the rest of that story? That's this one. <laughs> what? Look at the questions, then. Yeah. Well, the questions, I think, are on a lot of different topics. So before I go into them, I think I want to... I think I want to maybe finish off this point. I think so, too, because uh, when it comes to questions, we do have a limited time. Mm -hmm. You think so, too, that what? <laughs> now you should finish your... Finish my thought. Okay. So I'll finish it up and then, then other questions. Okay. So uh, let me finish the story. I told you the, the Fran Hager story. He came out of Yechidus and he said, I thought I was going to meet a great man. And I left realizing I had met my true self. Um, so the, the background of the story is like this. I told you he was 23 years old. He was, he was not a Lubavitcher. Um, the Rebbe asked him based on his name if he's related to a certain uh, Hasidic dynasty, which he was. And in fact, he had a picture in his wallet of, I think, his great-grandfather who had been a Hasidic Rebbe back in, in Europe. So he took it out. And the Rebbe asked for it. He gave it to the Rebbe. Now imagine here, the Rebbe is looking at you, 23-year-old kid, and the Rebbe has a picture that you happen to have brought with you, a photograph of your great-grandfather who was a, a Rebbe, and the Rebbe's holding up the photo and looking at it side-by-side side next to your face, right, comparing the two. <laughs> a little bit intense, right? And after the Rebbe's comparing the two side-by-side, side, the Rebbe puts down the photo, Actually, the Rebbe wrote the name on the back of the photo and put it in the drawer. And the Rebbe asked, Vos is a Rebbe. In Yiddish. And Fine couldn't answer, so he asked again a second time, Vos is a Rebbe. Couldn't answer a third time. Vos is a Rebbe. Couldn't answer. So the Rebbe saw that Fine was not going to answer. The Rebbe said, I'll answer. The Rebbe is going to answer. 
right? The first Siddish Rebbe was the Balsham. When Alts was erhot gehat by Zichin Stuhl, but there are Becca given yet a knack by Legginsichlaf. Everything he had in his home, he would give it away on a daily basis before he would lie down to sleep. Das is a Rebbe. That is a Rebbe. Then the Rebbe said, Asher the Vilzvern a Rebbe. Maybe you want to become a Rebbe. Now I'm going to ask you a question. You're 17 years old. Some of you may be 16, some of you may be 18, but okay. You're not that much different than a 23-year-old. Say the story is about a 23-year-old young person. Person with your life ahead of you. So I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you would like to become a Rebbe. No, I never thought of it. Okay, I'm suggesting it to you. And you say, oh, I'll be a Rebbe. Maybe you need to define Rebbe properly before you answer the question whether or not you're willing to be one. And that's why the Rebbe said first, Vas is a Rebbe. He wanted to make sure that if I understood Vas is a Rebbe, and then the Rebbe explained Vas is a Rebbe. The Rebbe didn't say that a Rebbe is someone with, you know, uh, he wasn't telling him, even though he had the pedigree for it, he had the yichos, go get a streimel and rent a, a shtibel in, in, uh, in Borough Park and take pijonis and have a gabba follow you around. It's not what he meant. You know what he went on to become, Freddie Hager? He was the chairman of the London Diamond Force. He was a businessman. He made a lot of money. He gave a lot of stuff. Did he become a rebbe? Yes, he did. According to the Rebbe's definition of Rebbe. I don't care how anyone else defines Rebbe. The Rebbe defined Rebbe. The Rebbe said, Vas is Rebbe three times. There's the Rebbe in the Balshamtiv. Balshamtiv was the first Rebbe. And what did the Balshamtiv do? How did the Rebbe describe the Balshamtiv? He could have described the Balshamtiv in a lot of ways. He described him as somebody who everything you have of value in your home, you give it away on a daily basis. You cannot lie down and rest until you've given away what you have. That's a Rebbe. A Rebbe just means somebody who's selfless, who's living for others. And it doesn't mean to give away what you don't have. It's a very rich story. It doesn't mean to give away what you don't have. If you know Aleph, teach Aleph. If you know Aleph base, teach Aleph base. If you only know Aleph, please do us a favor. Don't teach Aleph and base if you only know Aleph. Don't give, you can't transmit what you haven't got. Only give away what you've got. But whatever you've got, you've got to give it away. And what's more, the secret, the real secret that the Rebbe taught us is at the end of the day, the only Yiddishkeit that you do truly have is whatever Yiddishkeit you are actively giving away. You familiar with that? At the end of the day, the only Yiddishkeit that you truly have is whatever Yiddishkeit you are currently actively giving away. You're going to say, oh, what does it mean to, to, to give it away? Trust me when I tell you that if you would be as sensitive to the people around you as you want them to be to you, you would see endless opportunities on a daily basis to be mechazik each other in Yiddishkeit. To share your Yiddishkeit. If you have a mitzvah you're passionate about, that you happen to like, that you happen to enjoy, or even if you don't enjoy it, but you're good at forcing yourself to do it, and you can share that with someone else, a classmate, a sibling, a neighbor, a friend, then you are a Rebbe. Because the Rebbe defined a Rebbe as someone who 
cannot be content with just my personal accomplishments. I have to live for others. So the Rebbe asked Ephraim Hagar, are you ready to become a Rebbe? You want to become a Rebbe? And he went and he became the chairman of the London Diamond Boards. He did become a Rebbe. Because some Rebbes are in business, and some Rebbes are, are, are school teachers, and some Rebbes are uh, lawyers and professionals, and some Rebbes, um, some Rebbes never, you know, are, are like literal Rebbes, but you know, like, <laughs> but every member of Klal Yisrael is a Rebbe, because if every neshama of Klal Yisrael is one with the neshama Klalis, and the Rebbe is the neshama Klalis, then everyone's a Rebbe. And maybe that was something that wasn't known in previous generations, but the Rebbe made it very, very clear that the Rebbe made us, well, the Rebbe said it so many times, Shliach Shal Adam Kamesa. The Rebbe deputized us. You know what that means? He made us his messengers, and a representative is like the person who sends him, literally. And every dollar the Rebbe gave was that idea of Shliach Mitzvah, Shliach Mitzvah. Right? So basically, again, you're going into Yechidus not to meet a great man. You're going into Yechidus to meet your true self and to find out that you are a Rebbe. That your life isn't for you. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, in a, like a mean way of like depriving you of anything. I mean that in, a, in an empowering way of, hey, you thought that your life was just you? It's not. You are the leader of world jewelry. Well, Abba Rebbe appointed you the world leader of jewelry. And you have the koiches in your way, in your kav, to heal the world, the entire world. If we take the idea of Mashiach seriously, what does that mean? It means each one of us as an individual has this global impact, potentially. So, I want to suggest to you to go in to Yechidus open to the possibility of self-discovery, open to the possibility to find out things about yourself that you never dreamed could be true, and to leave feeling very empowered and feeling like you have work to do, a sense of urgency. The Rebbe was never rushed, but the Rebbe was always going somewhere. See how the Rebbe moved. Right? It was never frantic, it wasn't like panic, but always with a place to go, a place to be, something to do. That's, every one of us is a Rebbe. We, we also have, if we understood how important we were and how impactful we were and how, how, how much the world needs us, we would also be moving from one job to the next. Not in a panicked way, not in a stressed way. I see the Rebbe was not stressed. It was very calm, but calm and deliberate, moving from one job to the next job because there's so much work to be done. That's how you leave. So don't worry about the inspiration. What I told you, you want inspiration on your Friday night at Western Wall, you get inspiration. This is where you go to meet your true self and to be realigned with your purpose in the world. And this is Yechidus, just like anybody who got a dollar, just like anyone who said L'chaim to the Rebbe Rafabrangit, even just like anyone who was able to stand in the Rebbe's Yechidus room for hours. The stories you hear about people who were able to be in the, the Rebbe's the holy room for hours. This is no different. Your experience of it, obviously, is different. 
But the Rebbe's experience of you is no different. And you have to understand that. You're not going to have an experience. You're going to be the experience. I know. We don't talk that way. I know. I know. I know. I know. Because it's not Siddish to pretend that we actually care about the Rebbe. And we say we care about the Rebbe. But at the end of the day, the whole thing is, you know, for our inspiration. I want to tell you, that doesn't work. Not about my inspiration. about the Rebbe getting what the Rebbe likes. The Rebbe likes Jews. Even me. Little old me. And when I go to the Rebbe and I show up, the Rebbe likes it. The Rebbe likes it. So, <laughs> does it matter what I see? It matters what the Rebbe gets to see. It's a treat for the Rebbe. And if, and, and if you don't think that your appearance in front of the Rebbe delights the Rebbe, that's the first problem, is you don't realize who you are. But maybe by showing up, even not knowing who you are, you'll find out who you are, and you'll realize how much the Rebbe appreciates your visits. And maybe you'll come here on your own more often. I would hope that the effect of a visit like this would be that once in a while, you'll tell your parents, you know, 10 p.m., you know what, I really got to go see my Rebbe. And then, you know, they'll drive you or they get a car, whatever they got to do, and you'll go in, you'll do your thing. No one in the world has to know you did it. So there were girls that asked in the past, why do we need a Rebbe? We have Hashem. When we go to the Eichel, are we davening to the Rebbe? Are we davening mm -hmm. to Hashem? What is the, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, how much time do we have here? Uh, minus. Minus. So what should I do? It's an important question. But, let just answer this. Baby. Answer this question, just and then we'll. Just Yeah, I have a question on the floor also. So, what should I do? No, this is like a really small Tiny. Okay. Someone said that you're not supposed to go to the aisle at night. Is it that idea you're not supposed to go to like cemeteries? Go to the aisle whenever. It's not a cemetery. It's you do this, you go wherever you want to go. What? Okay. So we have minus time right now. I'm going to try to answer this question. What do you need a Rebbe for if we have a chef? And it's a very good question. And I'm going to tell you who asked that question. I mean, you asked it just now, but where I learned the answer to that question. Who asked the question? The Rebbe asked that question. The Rebbe asked this question at a Fabreng. In fact, the Rebbe explained that um, if you ask an angel to intercede for you, that is idolatry. Because you're making a mamutza, you're making an intermediary between you and Hashem. And the Rebbe asked, then, therefore, why is it okay to ask a tzaddik for a bracha? Why is that not the same problem as asking an angel? And the Rebbe gives an explanation from the Chassam Seifer. You know who the Chassam Seifer was? A couple hundred years ago, a rabbi in, in Central Europe. Anyways, the Chassam Sefer explains like this. 
why are you not allowed to ask an angel to intercede for you, but you're allowed to ask a tzaddik for a bracha? He asks like this. I have an even simpler question for you. Forget a tzaddik for a minute. Why are you allowed to ask anyone for a bracha? It's my birthday. Oh, give me a bracha. That's a verizona. Why are you asking a person for a bracha? What are we benching each other for? The whole thing's a verizona. You want a bracha? Go to Hashem. Why are you asking a person to give you a bracha? I'm not, forget about tzaddikim. I'm, talk, I'm not talking rebbe, tzaddik. Why, why do we bench each other? <laughs> now I made the question even worse. <laughs> not only why do we ask for the rebbe, why, why do we give each other blessings? The whole thing should be awesome. Like bringing down the bracha, like you have the power to <laughs> What do you mean? Why are you doing it through another person? Go straight yeah. to the source. But you're you're also connected directly. Why are you going to another person? I'm asking you a very simple question. If you're not supposed to put anything in between you and Hashem, how come we give each other brachas? That is putting yourself in between, as an intermediary between Hashem and that person. Let that person go directly to Hashem and get the bracha directly. There's a there's a a gemara Yerushalmi Yedarim. It speaks about when a person makes a nether. When he makes a nether, he's supposed to get out of it. It's a mitzvah to have a chacham release you from your nether. You know that? It's a mitzvah to go, if you made a nether, you have to keep it, but it's also a mitzvah to get a chacham to release you from it. How does the Chacham release you from the nether? They have to find what's called a Pesach. A Pesach means information. Had I known it at the time of the nether, I never would have made the nether. So like, I made a nether never to have milkics. Oh, ice cream is milkics? I didn't know. If I would have known that, I would never make such a nether, right? There's a scenario, a person makes a nether and says, I don't want to have benefit from so-and-so. He makes a party, I'm not going. I don't like him. And he goes to the Chacham to find a Pesach. What does the Chacham tell the guy that he didn't realize at the time he made the net? You guys following? Yeah. So, Shalmi says that the Chacham tells the guy a mushroom. He says, imagine someone who's working in the workshop with a sharp tool. And when he was working with the sharp tool in his strong hand, he slipped and he stabbed his less dominant hand. Right, so his right hand stabbed his left hand. Should he then grab the tool with his left hand and stab his right hand to teach it a lesson? No. Obviously not, because now one person has both hands wounded. So when the Chacham would say this marshal to the guy, he'd say, ah, and exactly the same thing with you and this guy. You were mad at him because whatever he did to you. Okay, so that's like the right hand stabbed the left hand. But now you're going to stab him back 
Now, one body has been wounded twice because the nature of the Jewish people is that we are truly one. And therefore, it's not just like the kindergarten recess monitor tells you two wrongs don't make a right. That's a different thing. Two wrongs don't make a right. It's true. By wronging him, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't benefit you. But we're saying even worse than that is like by wronging him, you're wronging yourself a second time. Because you are him and he is you, so now you're both hurt twice. So the idea is that the Jewish people are one body. The Jewish people are actually not a people, they're a person. There is a person that happens to have millions of bodies. Isn't that kind of wild? There's a person. By the way, that's what it means, the Gavad, it says, Atim Krim Adim. You, the Jewish people, are called Adam. A lot of times anti-Semites say, oh, the Gemara is saying only Jews are human. That's not what it's saying. It doesn't say only Jews are human. It says only Jews are called Adam. Adam doesn't mean people. It means a person. The Jews are called a person. The entire Jewish nation is called Adam, a God. <laughs> a guy who happens to have millions of different bodies. So that's why if I ask an angel for a bracha, so imagine like this, okay? Imagine, I'm just going to make a scenario like this. Okay, imagine, actually, you know what? Who wants to be my volunteer? Yeah? Come on up. Your name is Chaya? I also have a daughter named Chaya. Are you boy? Yeah. Okay. So here's what I want my uh, assistant Chaya to do. See the cup of coffee? Yeah. Okay. Water? So, yeah, it's coffee. coffee. Yeah. Okay. So I cannot reach it. Okay. Okay. So I want you to pick it up and give it to me. Can I move? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Stand closer to it. Yeah. Okay. See that? You just clap for Avedizona. <laughs> a marshal for Avedizona. Okay. <laughs> but you didn't know it. Let, let, let me show you again. Let me explain to you. Pretend this is the bracha. I'm me. Chaya is a malach. And I say, hey, malacho. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect roll for you. And I say to the malach, malach, I can't reach the bracha. Malach, can you get it and get, give it to me? Okay, so do it again. And I take it from you. I just use the malach as an intermediary, as a delivery person between me and Hashem. However, what if, everyone can see me? In the back row, can you see me? Back, back row, can you see me? Okay, all right. So what if I try to grab the coffee? I can't reach the coffee. But what I do is I take the coffee with one hand and I pass it to myself to the other hand, which I was trying to reach, right? So I couldn't reach it before. But, oh, no, but with this hand, I can reach it. I pass it to this hand. Now there was no mamutza, right? You understand the difference between when I have somebody else hand it to me, right? Somebody other than myself hands it to me, as opposed to when I take it with one hand and hand it to myself? Yeah. You understand the difference? A Jew and a Malach are two different things. If you ask a Malach to do something, to get something from Hashem for you, you're putting the Malach between you and Hashem. 
not allowed to put anything between you and Hashem. If you ask yourself, meaning your right hand passes to your left hand, you ask yourself to get something from Hashem, get the bracha from Hashem, and give it to yourself. You're not putting anything in between you and Hashem, correct? Okay. Therefore, we've explained why one Jew can bless another Jew, because if all Jews are one Jew, like the mashal of the Pesach and the Gemara and the Darim, that the right hand and the left hand are the mashal for one Jew and another Jew. Therefore, we can all bless each other, and we're not putting anyone between ourselves and Hashem, because every other Jew is myself. If you don't understand Achtes Yisrael, you can't talk about his kashrus. If you don't understand that all Jews are one, you can't start talking about you and the Rebbe are one. Doesn't doesn't work. The two sides are the same coin. Achtes Yisrael and his kashrus are two sides of one coin. If you don't understand that all Jews are one, then you don't understand what a Rebbe is. Because the only thing that makes a Rebbe, a Rebbe, a real Rebbe, Rosh B'nai Yisrael, right? And now it's cute, right? Rosh B'nai Yisrael. It's not cute. It's not cute. Rosh Tevis. No, it's not cute Rosh Tevis. Rosh B'nai Yisrael means we are a person. There's a person called Jewish people. Millions and millions of bodies. In fact, multiply that by all the generations throughout histories of Jews who have ever lived. And it's one God. And some of us are this part. Some of us are that part. Right hand, left hand is pretty glorious, right? Some of us, you know, you're a toenail or whatever. But we're all one body. We're all one body. Any one of us who does anything for any other of us, it's all one body being good to itself. Now, within that body, obviously, like a body has a head. What does it mean when we say the Rebbe is the head? It doesn't mean the Rebbe is a leader who's directing other people. It means like your head and your foot are from the same body, and when your foot feels something, your, your, your head feels it too. When you step on a, on, a, on a Lego with your heel, your head knows and feels the pain. A Rebbe means that he feels everything that's going on with all of his limbs, meaning all of the Jewish people. So when you're getting a bracha from a tzaddik, you're not getting a bracha from someone other than yourself. If you think that that is someone other than yourself, you're not allowed to ask him for brachas. If you realize that the Rebbe is yourself, in fact, because he's the head, he's your best self, which is what I said from the very beginning, that when you go into Yechidus, you meet your true self, then you can ask for brachas, because all you're really doing is asking yourself to hand yourself something that you can reach. When you go into Yechidus, you become greater than you thought you were, but what you really were all along. And that's why also, like I said, when you leave Yechidus, all of a sudden you can you realize you can accomplish what you always could accomplish all along, but you didn't know it until you went and let the devil look at you. Now, I don't want to get into any new questions. I want to ask you a question. Does everything we spoke about so far, hear my question. I don't want to know if you like it. I don't, know if, I don't want to know if you agree with it. You know why? Because you're all entitled to your own opinion, and I mean that. So I don't really care if you liked it or you agree with it. I just want to know one thing. Did it make sense? Did the logic, okay, is it yeah, consistent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. Now, whether or not you decide that you want to look at things that way, 
I don't think an intelligent person can make that decision on the spot. I think you're going to have to take time and think it over, and you'll decide how much of that you want to take as your own world. Okay? But I just want to make sure, before I leave, that anything we covered is at least consistent, has its own consistent logic, where you don't, I don't want there to be more confusion. Okay? So maybe can we take two minutes, and if we don't even need the two minutes, I'm happy to end right now. Is there anything, just on a cognitive level, that was confusing and you want to clarify? No new questions, because I'm sure we do not have time. I know we do not have time to get into it. Yeah. Um, do people that are not Lubavitch view going to Kibbutz or Bikram or to Abiyarbim as the same type of way? Because if not, then that sort of falls into the category. Uh, that's a good question. And if you really want to, you know, if you really like mischief, you can go to a from person and ask them, by the way, why are you allowed to go to, uh, you know, Kivre Tzadikim? Why is that not a Because they're viewing it as another person. Right. So. right, yeah, you could cause them some agony. You could run away and not tell them the answer. <laughs> them up with it. Yeah. 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 So just like the Rav is part of one point, we're also part of one point, so we're, we also have kind of potential. Yeah. Thank you, Chai. the whole world. Yeah. Beautiful. So it's not a problem to go to Kibbutz No, of course it's not a problem. No, but even if they don't view it the same way we view a rabbi... I'm, say, I'm saying, it's, of course it's not a problem to go to Kibbutz right. Which now you understand is a separate thing than going into Yechidus at the oil. Right. But even Kibbutz Adikim is fine. But I'm just saying most of the people who go to Kibbutz Adikim don't know why it's fine. The reason why it's fine is for the same reason that I can bless you and you can bless me. I can go to someone who passed away, and I can ask them to bless me. That's. But when you go to a Rosh B'nai Israel, um, uh, a tzaddik's caver like the Rambams or whatever, there's uh, the, he's the Rosh, so there's a higher value to going to him as opposed to getting a bracha from a friend. I don't know. Can I say something radical? Yes. There's one place. There's one place. Just like a body has one head. Now, you want to go to other Kivre Tzadikim because it has some type of cultural value or whatever, that's fine. But we have one location. A body has one head. What about other What about Everything we need is in one location. See, the thing is, we live so close to the oil. We think that Chavdalatavis were going to the oil because we can't make it to Hadid. But the truth is, if you lived in Hadid, really Chavdalatavis, you should fly to JFK and go to Queens and go to the oil. We have one head, one location, everything we need. Even even Lagbaimer, where is Rashbi? At the oil. We have one location, just like a body has one head. But what about all the previous Sadiqim that were the head? They're all connected to the head. You have the head, you have everything. You want to be connected to the Rambam, connect to the Rebbe. You want to be connected to Rashi, you want to be connected to any tzaddik through the Rebbe. The Rebbe is the head. What about the Rebbe? Oh. <laughs> Hold on a second. I'm way over time. Do, yeah. size we of, need to have you another time. We have to have another time. Yes, we do. It's a must. The Rebbe's question is very important. My whole point to you about 
Yechidas and oil, discussions, was really, if you got my point, was I wanted you to understand yourselves better. You got that, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. If you understand Levitzen, then you're going to understand yourself real good. Real good. Because you know what you're going to realize? Once you realize the whole Levitzen thing, what it's doing, and what connection it has to us, you know what you find out? You know what you find out about yourself? You know what our connection to the Levitzen is? Of course there's a Rebetzin, because if you exist, you must have a mother and a father. If we are the Rebbe's children, then of course we have a father and a mother, a mother and a father. You don't just come into existence out of nowhere. So the fact that the Rebetzin is all part of this calculation, is when you realize that, it's when you realize that we are literally the Rebbe and the Rebetzin's children. Literally, more than your own families of origin. I like that for a bombshell, which I'm just going to throw and leave and not clean up. Okay, one, one last thing. saying is there's one rather there's one central location and you're right your muscle is good there's a neck there's a shoulder that's fine but it's not a, a monster with multiple heads there's one head what about Hebron where the others are we have everything we need at the oil we have Avram Yitzchak and Yankiv at the oil There's a whole sikha, maybe I'll come learn it with you, where the Rebbe says the oil is holier than the kaisal. Where the oil is what? Holier than the kaisal. Oh, really? Yeah. But the 770 is, is, is our Mikdash here now. Yeah, the Rebbe also said 770 is Mikdash, but the Rebbe says that the oil specifically is holier than the kaisal. Okay, Why? Okay.